Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. Read the verse of Scripture once again. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So this young city couple, they're driving down a country lane on their way to visit some friends. They suddenly come to a muddy patch in the road. Even though they're driving a Subaru, the mud gets deeper and deeper, and they just get mired in the mud, right? The car becomes bogged down, and you go back and forth, and it just kind of sinks a little bit lower. Are you knocking on Subarus? No, I like Subarus, but this one was stuck. After a few minutes of trying to get the car out by themselves, they see a young farmer walking down the lane, and he's have some big oxen in front of him. So the young farmer stops, sees the couple in trouble, and offers to use the oxen to pull their car out of the mud. The husband thinks about it for a little while and is like, well, okay, it's 50 bucks, but can't get out. So a few minutes later, the car is muddy, but it's out of the mud, the big, big, huge mud puddle, right? Afterward, the farmer says to the husband, you know, you're the 10th car that I have helped pull out of this very mud puddle today. The husband looks around at the fields that are around the lane and says to the farmer, um, when do you have time to plow the land? At night? The young farmer says, oh, no, 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 no. Nighttime, that's when I fill up this hole <laughs> with water. <laughs> Never thought farming could be so lucrative. I like to preach on the thought of a message. <laughs> Good ground. Good ground. Jesus, when speaking a parable, he spoke a parable about farming or ground. And he wasn't making mud puddles to trap people in, right? But he said, hearken, there went out a sower to sow. That's someone who was planting, sowing, distributing seeds. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. Now the wayside was the path that ran along the side of the fields. It was packed down, and it was hardened from animals and people walking on it. And if you don't think dirt can get hard, now we're in America, and you think everyone has tile floors, marble floors. Do you know that my friend from Arkansas, I'm sorry to say it, but he was from Arkansas, he was talking about one of his relatives that had a dirt floor. You know, Americans did not too many years ago have dirt floors in their house. But they weren't sand. They weren't mud. What they would do is they would pack the dirt down. Have you ever heard this before? Maybe everyone's in the new generation, right? But this is what used to happen. And then they would sprinkle water on it and, it would, and they, would, they would polish it. It would almost be like... Uh, a, a tile sheen on it. No one's ever heard of that? Well, it was like the wayside. It was packed down, 
polished dirt. Well, that's nice if it's in your house, perhaps. Not so nice if you're planting seeds, okay? It's not going to receive anything. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it said the, the birds, the fowls of the air immediately devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And the sun was up and it said it scorched because it had no root and it withered away. And some of this seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up. Those are weeds and uh, 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 other kinds of invasive vines. They grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. And then Jesus said other fell on good ground. And it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and 60 and some and 100. The first thing about ground, good ground has potential. Now, I don't want to talk about all the other types of ground because those aren't really the types of ground that are going to help you out, okay? But we do might, might mention them. But good ground. The Bible says that in our, in our scripture reading, and these are such, good ground is first, those that hear the word. It didn't say that the word was hard to understand. You just got to hear it. I know because my daughter, if I whisper, do you want some candy, she will run out and burst through the door. But otherwise, you, you raise your voice, raise your voice, raise your voice, raise the voice. And she had heard, but hadn't responded, right? So the, the Bible says that the gospel is, first of all, it shows that good ground has potential. And you know that really all ground has potential. Because it's interesting. I remember hearing a message. Why did the sower sow on the wayside? And that's an interesting thing. A farmer would know not to waste your seed on ground that will not receive it, right? Have you ever been a farmer? It's like, I'm not going to put any on the sidewalk, right? Well, it might, it might go in the cracks and yield up one bushel of corn. It's possible. But, you know, people, we have to take this metaphor and understand that Jesus was talking about people. Yes, if you talk to someone that is uh, basically has a wayside heart, they're all packed in and they're not ready, their, their ground hasn't been tilled up and broken up, yes, they won't receive it, but guess what? The Bible still says that the sower went forth to sow, and so that hearing all of the types of ground, which really meant their metaphors for our hearts, they all heard the gospel. You see, the Bible said the sower soweth the word. I believe that Jesus sees that we all have potential. We not, might not be ready yet to repent of our sin. We might not be ready yet to hear the gospel, but God will still put it out there so that we can hear it. Even Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. And you know that he wasn't sent to prophesy to Israel? Do you know where he was sent? He was sent to the enemy, to the Assyrians. Did you know that? God usually raised up prophets to talk to his own people. But he raised them up to talk to Hamas, the enemies. Who are Hamas? Hamas is the terrorist group that attacked Israel maybe yesterday, as, as recent as yesterday. And so Jonah didn't even want to do that. 
So why would you want to preach to our enemies? So he, he went and he preached to the enemies. And they repented. Jonah didn't like that they repented, but they repented. <laughs> he wanted them to die. He was hoping they would die. At the end, after he preached, he was hoping they would die. Say, preacher, I hope that Hamas dies. Now, they're an Iran-backed group of Palestinians and who other knows other nationalities uh, that hate uh, the nation of Israel. And say, well, preacher, I hope that all Hamas dies. Well, some of them will. <laughs> some of them will. Uh, but let me tell you, does God really hope that the enemies die? Or does he hope that they repent? Because I read a book. Uh, his name was Masab Hassan Yusuf. Sounds like a terrorist. He was. <laughs> he was the son of the founder of Hamas. This is a timely illustration. Well, what happened to this man? So there's a political arm of Hamas. If you don't know about terrorist organization, that's the ideological arm. They don't get involved in shooting people. They just spread hate through their, you know, uh, whatever megaphones they have. Then you have the military wing, which is what did the damage in Israel today or yesterday. Well, he was the son of the political head of Hamas. You know what happened to him? You can check it out. He got saved. No! Yes! You see, instead of him being obliterated, God sent a Christian. God sent a believer. And this man became, he actually became a spy for Israel against Hamas. He's got an interesting career, okay? But God didn't choose to obliterate him. I believe that God shows that we all have Potential. You see, all of these ground, they were given the, the gospel. They were given the seed. And you know, whatever we do with it, I believe God is showing us that our ground has potential. I believe we all need to hear the gospel. I believe, man, if you have some good Christian music, that you should play it. If you're reading the Bible or talking to someone, everyone, someone, you're at Walmart, and you say the name of Jesus, and you say, or you say you went to church, do you know what everyone else is around you is doing? Bloop. Their ears are going up. You ever seen those old cars when the radio turns on, the antenna goes, and slowly goes up? That's what happens when you talk about the word of God. You can be at Walmart. You can be at Target. Uh, I remember when I was singing a song. I think I was singing glory to his name or something like that. I was humming it. I was humming the song. One of the other people who was a customer started singing the song. They knew that song. You know, the people are listening to the gospel. I believe that you say, well, preacher, I don't want to waste the gospel. You know what? I don't think we can waste the gospel. If you keep it to yourself and hold the truth and unrighteousness, that's wasting the gospel. But if you let it out and let people hear about it, people have potential to change their ways if they hear the word of God. You know, hearing the word of God, and that's really why we have the... Uh, the, the church services that we, that we do, we want men and women to know that there is a potential in their life. You have so many people, and you say, well, the, the, the people from Hamas are evil, or the Palestinians are evil. Well, let me tell you, yes, some of them do evil things, and I, I agree. And, but you have to understand, we're all a product of our environment. If you grew up in Palestine, guess what you'd probably be doing? Hating Israel. Why? Because that's how you grew up. You were told that they hate you. You were told that you're supposed to hate them. And, uh, you know, it's like football teams. 
don't get on football teams. You like your football team and the other team, that's the enemy, right? You got your colors that you wear. I know that's just football, right? But you know what? You grew up as a product of that environment. You know why I like the Dallas Cowboys? Growing up, okay? Yeah. It got one, one admirer. And they're like, all right. Because my dad, he's from Texas. He liked the Dallas Cowboys. And I liked them because that was the environment that I grew up in. My point is that people have the potential to know about Jesus even if they grow up in a different environment. It's like this teacher was an atheist and uh, asked if anyone in the class was a Christian. And this little boy raised his hand. And the, the atheist teacher didn't like that. So the atheist teacher excoriated the poor little kid, made him stand up, and he said, why are you a Christian? You know that's a false religion. It's just a waste of time. And the little kid said, shrugged his shoulder. He said, well, I don't know. I'm a Christian. My daddy's a Christian. My mommy's a Christian. My big sister's a Christian. I'm a Christian. I don't know. And uh, the, the teacher said, sit down. And the teacher, the atheist teacher said, well, what if your mommy was an idiot and your daddy was an idiot and your sister was an idiot? What would you be? And the kid stood up and said, an atheist? (laughs) (laughs) But we're products of our environment. And you know that I believe that that Jesus knew that... You get that? We're products of our environment, but I believe we all need a chance to hear about the gospel. To hear about the chance that you don't have to pay for your sins, but that Jesus paid for them on the cross. And if you've done sin or lived in sin, say, well, preacher, but I've hated people. You've got to understand that we're the enemy to somebody. And I'm thankful today that Jesus, although I lived a life against Jesus Christ, that Jesus loved me anyway. And that he died for my sins. And then he came into my life. Say, preacher, what would you do if someone broke into your house I'd read to them I'd read to them what the gospel of Glock chapter 3 and verse 8 I would read to them right you get that I'm not saying you don't defend your family. I'm not saying obviously I would. But you have to have love to people that are different than you. How are we going to change people if everybody is our enemy? We're not going to win them to Jesus Christ. Because we can only win our friends, not our enemies, to Jesus Christ. So the Bible said the sower soweth the word. We need to show love to people that are hard to get along with. Now you might never meet someone from Hamas, but you'll meet your grumpy neighbor. You read that person, I, 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 one of my neighbors, someone hit his mailbox, boom, and it's like laying over there. He's like, oh, someone hit my mailbox. And I'm thinking, oh, you, you feeling pity for him? No, I'm thinking, I'm about five houses down the street. They might hit my mailbox. <laughs> so a preacher, what would you do if you found that little ragamuffin teenager? Well, you know what? You could, you know, line them up and read them the riot act. And you know what you do? You sound like some grumpy old man and they just couldn't wait for you to leave so they could get your mailbox next. I mean, that's the only thing. But maybe you could find some common ground. Maybe all this restless energy in the teenager, you could direct it towards something positive. 
what the gospel that you could we could start a youth group you know we love a youth group we kind of got one say well what is that someone's got to lead it we got to have leaders for the youth group but you know what these kids need something to direct all that energy and all those hormones right they need something to ground them when things seem off the chain they need someone to show them love and that they have purpose and potential potential leads power I believe that all of our lives in here, that we can hear the word of God. You know that when Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood, you know what he said? He said, I perceived, he said said that, that virtue has gone out of me. He didn't mean like patience is a virtue. If you read... The the understanding of that word, it means dunamis. He said, I perceive that someone has gotten potent power, dunamis. That power has come out of me. When you approach Jesus by faith and you receive, that's the next thing. The next thing about good ground, it's got potential, but it goes a step further. You see all those other grounds, those rocks, you can't, you can't grow the thorns and the cares of this life. Those things need to be changed in order to bear fruit. But I'm not going to focus on that. You see, good ground is prepared ground. You make it ready. We recently purchased a house and someone had dumped like tons of little like rocks, little river rocks along the side of the house because they used them around back. But they're still... Maybe a ton or two of rock. I don't know. It, but it's buried kind of. It's been there so long that the dirt is kind of all over the rock. So you have to get like a little tool and dig buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets. And buckets. How many I take? 20 buckets. And there's, it's like a, jo- it's a job of mine. I go around the side of my house, get my little bucket and dig rocks out of the dirt. Do you like it? I love it. I do. I love it. I love it. I, I do. I, I, if you give me some time in the day, you might go watch your YouTube, but I will go to the side of my house with my, I'll even do it with my bare hands and dig rocks because God speaks to my heart about preparing ground. You see every rock, see what do you want to plant in there? Maybe some grass because all it is is dirt. You see, you've got to prepare that ground. The Bible says in Hosea, sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. He said, you've got to prepare that ground. You know, you come to the house of God and God begins to deal with your heart and you feel uncomfortable. And I told my wife, we need to up our game. You know, it's like we try to get to church early today. We got to church late. I don't know if you felt like that. It's like we earlier, earlier, later, later, more stuff. We left the house. We went back to the house. <laughs> I'm blaming her. She's blaming me. It's my fault. You just got to now. If it's not your fault, accuse the other person first. Because then it'll be hard for them to give it back to you, even if it's your fault. That's just a tactic, okay? It's not the, the, it's the right thing to do. So I accused her first, even though it was my fault. Anyway. And now we have to have marriage counseling after that, so. The word of God drops all over the place to all kinds of hearts. The hard heart, shallow hearts, uncommitted hearts, and soft hearts. But you see, the seed or the word is effective. It just needs to be put in prepared ground. If God is dealing with your heart and removing some rocks, uh, we got a little cat. I don't know, please, if you're like preacher, you can't have a cat. Men are supposed to have dogs. We have cats. So, and it's limping and uh, its paw was up. And I don't know what it had. What's a stray or a, a rescue cat? And what I did was there was like a piece of like kitty litter or something that had jammed itself into her paw, which was already hurt. 
and I pulled that out and she was able to walk more easily. She's still healing, but you know, a lot of us have rocks in our life. We've been hurt or something else. And that stone of bitterness or that stone of offense, my wife and I, we disagree all the time, but we have Jesus. So when that rock gets in there, when that thorn gets in there, it's not but what, a few minutes until we're like, honey, I'm sorry. And usually it's me saying it. You know, this guy was, I was listening to this, uh, this counselor and he said, this, these people's like, I went to this church and this church and this church and three churches and we've been abused and my husband resigned. And he said, well, the counselor said, well, well the common denominators are the church, you know, the church experience, but in math, there's common denominators. That means they're related to all the events. And he said, you and your husband are also common denominators to all of these situations. And I was like, hmm. They had a song in the 90s, things that make you go, hmm. Maybe they were part of it. I'm not saying, but this math, they were just a common denominator. So if everyone's also offending me and making me mad, well, are we starting to make people offensive? Are we just offendable where people make fun of us and we're offended? Look, I have a big nose and no hair, and I invite offense, okay? But you know that I have to be offended. Why? Because I'm good ground. I don't want to have a rock of offense or to be, uh, 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 you know, someone offending me about something brethren sometimes when someone offends you you should say well that was a pretty good joke i'm gonna repeat that and sometimes we need to learn to laugh at ourselves a little bit let god prepare your heart and the bible says we glory in tribulations it works patience that tribulation the thing you're going through we get my wife's laughing because we've been going through a lot of them you fix one thing and something else breaks you do this and something else breaks you just gotta laugh why? Because it works patience. Cheerful endurance. My wife reminds me, cheerful endurance. Not endurance, cheerful. <laughs> yes. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And then hope, it says, make it not ashamed. When God begins to work on your heart, God is preparing you for work. He's preparing your heart. And when God deals with your heart, it's so that it can live in fruit. It's been shared that a man can survive 40 days without food. That's a long time. Three days without water. Four minutes without oxygen. But only about four seconds without hope. You see, the gospel gives people hope. There's people, they're educated, they have nice houses, they have nice cars. And people say, well, that's going to make you satisfied. Not if you don't have hope. You see, the gospel gives us hope. And the Bible says it makes us not ashamed. Now, hope might mean that I don't see how it's going to work out now, but I know that there's a God in heaven that's going to work that situation out. And I don't have to give up. I don't have to quit. But I can continue to trust in him as he's preparing my heart. I hope. I hope for a better day. I hope that God's going to do something in my situation. Because, you see, the thing about good ground, the last thing, the Bible said that they hear the word. Then they receive the word. They allow it to come into them into their heart and work on them and then our purpose or the potential in us is to be prepared to be productive that's the last thing we have potential to be prepared to be used of god now i just got a question and it's not going to be something where i'm going to ask anything of anybody beside this but just qualifying that how many would like to be used of god just raise your hand it's not a trick question i'm me too i want to 
So, I mean, that's, that's, all, that's all I want to say. You know what? I believe that God wants to use you. Amen. I believe that God wants to use you. And the, the purpose, fruit is something that comes out of that crop, right? The fruit is the useful part. Uh, Misa brought edamame over, and she cooked some edamame with, uh, with uh, salt, and it was good. You pop the thing open, and you eat the little edamame, which looks like little M&Ms, but they're actually healthy. Man, if you could just put a little M on those, I could eat those all day long, the edamame. Um, but they have a pod that they come in, right? And so I was like, let me just throw this pod in my mouth, see if I can eat it. I did. Chewed it, and chewed it, and chewed it. And I kept, I mean, I'll just fast forward. Chew, 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 spit. Because all, it was like just a pile of apple uh, stems. I mean, it just did not dissolve. You see, a fruit is something that we can use. That edamame, was the, the pod was not designed to be eaten. And I tried. Have you ever eaten an edamame? Oh, you didn't even, it's like a pod for the peas, but let me tell you, I've eaten snap peas and different things, but you're not meant to eat the outside of the edamame. If you do, send me a video. I will like it and share it, okay? But the thing about fruit is we're intended to be something that is usable for God. The fruit is the thing that you can consume, that something will be a blessing to you. And I believe that God wants our hearts to be fruit. He said, I haven't cho- you haven't chosen me, I've chosen you. He said, and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit. Now, God's not talking about vegetables and fruit. He's talking about people. And he said that your fruit should remain, that your life would influence someone else. So I I was talking to a gentleman on the phone yesterday, yesterday, Friday, and it was like a financial call. And he found out on my little deal that I was a reverend, or so I don't know that I put that. And he goes, hey, reverend. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever you want to call me. But, and uh, he said, let me tell you a story. And I said, okay. He's like, it's, you'd appreciate this story. I'm like, hit me, you know, tell me. And he said, my grandpa was a preacher. And uh, I said, okay. And David's already heard this story. Misa's already heard this story. And he was a preacher in Idaho in the 40s. And this kind of fits right in with our message on good ground. Well, in the 40s, we were at war. And what they did with people who were different, they were called Japanese people. You know what they did? We lovingly put them into concentration camps. Not to murder them, but we we distrusted them. They were different. We were at war with the country of Japan. So even though they might have been American citizens, we put them in camps, detention camps. And so this man said that his grandpa, he's, a, I guess, a white guy, and, um, but he's a preacher. And one of the babies of these Japanese uh, people in the detention camp had died. And no preacher would do a funeral for the Japanese baby. And so this man, being a preacher, he did it. He did the, the funeral for the baby. Now later, this Japanese couple came to that preacher's church. Why? Hmm. Because maybe he had that fruit of love, joy, peace, 
that fruit comes from the good ground. And it, he wasn't, now this is in the 40s. People were prejudiced back then against people who were different. We're all prejudiced sometimes to people who are different than us. But at the time, uh, he said his grandpa used to work at like a lumber yard. They, the people at the lumber yard would paint his tools yellow because they would call Japanese people yellow. So they would paint this white man's tools yellow because he would dare affiliate with someone who's different. But you know what? I'm just sharing this because there's always someone that's going to be different than us. But these Japanese people came to his church. And in a service, someone stood up in the service and began to speak in another tongue. Japanese. This is an American, uh, like a white guy or whatever. He didn't say who it was. Fluent Japanese. And you know what the message was? There are only two people that could hear it because only two people that I know of spoke Japanese. It was that couple. And it was to go to Japan and build churches. But in Japanese, in an English service, they went to Japan and built 87 churches. We're on our first one here, 87. And I'm thinking that because my wife, she comes to the piano, I wanted to share, you see that how did that happen? Someone had to be that willing vessel to stand up and say, you know, God, use me. And God's like, well, I'm going to say some stuff through you and you're not going to know what you're saying. And the report was that the guy, whoever spoke, spoke better Japanese than the actual Japanese people did. It was like proper Japanese. But you see, they had to be yielded to God to do that. And then the people that heard that message, it wasn't to stay in, stay in Idaho and build a beautiful home and raise a family. It was to get outside of our comfort zone. But you know what? They followed it, and they didn't build one church. They didn't build 10 churches. They built 87 churches. So how do they do that? Good ground. It has potential, but it's prepared ground. And you know that I believe in all of our lives, God wants us to be productive for him. Thank you. But with heads bowed and eyes closed in reverence to the Lord. There's all kinds of ground out there. But the Bible says that the true seed. Yes, Jesus said that the sower sowed on all types of ground. But God's aiming for that good ground. And yes, ground can't prepare itself. But people can prepare themselves. I can remove that thing Man, preacher, I don't read my Bible, but I look at YouTube four hours a day. Well, you know what? Maybe God's saying, can you put me in there? Put my word in there. So, well, I've got something against people that are different than me. Well, you know what? I'm sure we all have. But is it justified through the Bible? Or is it just personal? You know what? People have done many people wrong. But let me tell you, I did Jesus wrong. And the Bible said we love him because he first loved us. And the dying on the cross meant that every one of us could receive pardon. And if I can receive pardon, can I pardon someone else? Say, so you know what, I'm not going to hold that against you. Not for your sake or mine, but I want to be good around so that my life can produce fruit and change lives. Lives that aren't there on their way to hell anymore, but that are on their way to heaven. Good ground. It's got potential. You've got potential today. Whatever kind of ground your heart is, it's got potential. And you know what? 
You're the farmer today. You can prepare your own ground. You can remove, you can roll the stone away. You can remove the stones. You can remove the thorns. And you know what God will do? That seed will keep coming and it will begin to take root and things will begin to grow out of your life. Different things. Things that have a source in heaven that others will see and that others will take heart in and that others will be influenced by a life for God. Good ground. Let's, let's find a place to pray. You need, you need Scott to do something. These altars are open too. You want to prepare for something in your life? If you need God to do something in someone else's life, why don't you come and pray for them? When you pray for someone, it makes a difference. When you pray for someone, God can touch their heart. Nothing happens until someone prays. Will you pray? Nothing's going to happen until someone prays. But today is time for us to be good ground. What kind of ground is your heart today? Father, I've preached your word. Lord, I pray that you would, God, show us a potential in our lives. Lord, I pray that, God, prepare us. Don't let us stay the same. And God, Lord, make us productive for you. God, Lord, make me usable for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. As you say, as you pray. Lord, I ask that you will have your way. Lord, for you make a difference in lives. Above every name. 